Nextstar says the recent Disney Charter deal will benefit local broadcasters, but how strong is its case? YouTube leads Netflix among teens and boosts its TV influence. Listen on to learn more. Welcome to this week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and that was Colin Dixon from End Screen Media. Hey, Colin, how's everything going? It's going great, Will, and uh, uh, we had an interesting week in the news this week. A little bit quiet, so we're going to do several stories. We're not just going to do one. And we've got a lot to get through. We're talking about YouTube, quite a lot about YouTube, and we're also talking about what a broadcaster had to say about the Charter Disney deal. So that should keep us uh, busy this morning, I think. I think so. And we're going to start with that uh, broadcaster. um, And you wrote about it's uh, Nextstar shared some perspectives on the evolving media and TV landscape and uh, how the Charter Disney deal, the recent Charter Disney deal, potentially has positive implications for broadcast TV. So uh, over to you. We'll include a, a link to the Nextstar presentation in our post. So highly recommend you take a look at it. It's pretty interesting. Basically, what Nextstar has done is it's it's taken the Charter Disney deal, uh, some of the impacts of that deal, and tried to explain how that benefits Nextstar in particular. And it sort of laid out seven points that I thought were were pretty interesting. And I took a look, and one of the things that, of course, this is this is for their investors, so it's very positive towards more traditional pay TV bundle and more traditional broadcast. So I sort of took a look at the alternative interpretation of what they're saying. So I'll just run a couple of them by by you and uh, talk about my interpretation of that. So the first one I looked at was Nextstar said that pay TV program bundles will be rationalized, freeing up dollars for premium content like broadcast television. And what they're referring there to is that in that Charter Disney deal, eight Disney channels, eight eight minor Disney channels got booted out of the deal. And so basically they're going to vanish from Charter systems. And this led Nextstar to conclude that there will be more money for broadcast television to sort of tap into. And this I thought was particularly amusing, Will. The implication here is that uh, just because Charter is now saving money by not having to pay fees for these minor channels, that it would automatically turn around and spend that money uh, on higher, quote, higher value channels like Nextstar's local TV channels. Uh, But that's not at all what I think the point was. The point was to try and contain the cost of the bundle because it's just been going up so much that just booting a few minor channels out, they're probably going to want to turn those savings around to at least contain the increases in the cost of the pay TV bundle, which is driving everybody out. So I thought that was a particularly uh, amusing interpretation of of the deal. Another one that was interesting was they said that DTC, DTC content services will be reintegrated with the linear bundle. And this, of course, was a big part of that charter agreement 
they got to include Disney Plus Basic, that's the one with ads, in some of their bundles that they provide to their customers for no additional charge. And uh, this, uh, and and by the way, they'll also when when Disney comes up with their ESPN DTC service, they'll include that as well. So there'll be a base. I guess there'll be a basic level there. And what immediately jumped to mind when I read that was that NBCU with Peacock has just gone completely the opposite direction. Remember when Peacock first launched, it was bundled with. Uh, with Xfinity TV, so you got you got free access to it. Well, Comcast and NBCU decided that they didn't want to do that anymore, and is now asking Xfinity subscribers to pay for the service, just like everybody else. So this is this is kind of interesting. It's a very interesting perspective on this move by Disney, right? Because obviously Disney must think that they're going to make more money or at least the same money by doing this bundle but comcast is going in the opposite direction having experienced this doing this with the peacock with peacock it thinks it can make more money going the other way so i don't know which i don't know which one's gonna win yeah i don't know uh it's a good i think it's a very valid point the the disparity between what uh, Disney is doing and what Comcast is NBC is doing with, with Peacock. Um, I, I thought there's a certain logic to the idea of including the streaming services with the bundle. Um, from a, from a viewer standpoint, it seems like it's a more, you know, that integration, um, would be more user friendly. Um, so you have everything in one place. Uh, it, it is a little bit confusing then which, um, shows are in which areas and, and why and having to train viewers to understand those distinctions could be difficult. The, uh, you know, on point number one that you made, Colin, the, the idea of freeing up dollars for broadcast TV, I, I think there is a certain logic to that. Although I think your point that the idea was for cost savings, not for reallocation of existing cost, um, is probably the, uh, you know, the more important motivation, but I, I can see where next star would be coming from in trying to, you know, kind of craft this position. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was particularly ironic that they would make that point, Will, because I don't know if you know, saw, but it was reported that direct TV is going to increase prices again. They just increased prices in January and they're going to push prices up again this year before the end of the year. And coincidentally, this is one month after reaching agreement with Nexstar. And remember, Nexstar stations were actually pulled off DirecTV for, for a short while in the fight that they had over prices. So <laughs> maybe Nexstar, Nexstar is right. Maybe it is getting a bigger slice of the pie, but it is contributing to the core problem. And the core problem is that pay TV is just too darn expensive. Uh, and and on this point about integrating, you know, bringing whether Disney bringing Disney Plus into the bundle and the forthcoming ESPN service, whatever that is, into the bundle is going to make it easier for people to search and find stuff. But I got to tell you, Will, I I just don't 
I, I don't. I, the evidence that I see in the market is that that this is, is not working. So if you look at Comcast, I think Xfinity is probably the best formulation of pay TV that there is out there. All of the major streaming services, SVOD services, are integrated into that experience today. Uh, so you can do voice searches. You know the recommendations are included. They're, 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 it's easy to access uh, from the X1 platform, and of course you can watch all the video from from the set top box. So we already have strong integration on the Comcast SDB, and it has not helped. The company has still lost 13% of its video subscribers in the last year and 7% in just Q2. So pure integration and aggregation into, quote, an ex- superior experience isn't helping Com- Comcast retain subscribers. So reaggregation on its own doesn't seem to be enough. It must, <laughs> bringing down the price is critical if they want to make any impression i think at all yeah on the flight from pay television so you know um that that's so you know next star makes some nice points i just don't reach the same conclusion as they do from from those points yeah that's i think that's very fair con and and i know uh you started by saying that there were seven six or seven uh, main points that they made. Uh, do you want to spend some time on some of the other ones that jumped out for you? Well, yeah, I guess the other major one was there. They sort of made two points, which I thought were really corollaries of the same thing. They said that content will move back to the most widely distributed networks to uh, to maximize advertising revenue. So what they're referring to there is that because they they say that because SVOD prices are going up, which they are indeed going up, that uh, growth there will moderate and that in order to maximize the revenue for content that they produce, they will distribute content, the, the content providers like Disney will start to move that content back to their broadcast channels. So that was one point. And the one that I thought was, pretty much the same point just just from a slightly different angle was they said that content spend will be leveraged across across both linear and ddc platforms to maximize audience and they they claim that this will enable reductions of overall content spend and increase pro- profitability but you know the truth is i think that probably major broadcasters like nbcu disney etc are already doing this that they're really looking at D2C and broadcast channels as two distribution mechanisms. But I think you've got to be clear-minded here with with this allocation of your um, content creation budgets, right? That short-term revenue decisions could harm long-term business values. So what I'm talking about here is favoring linear delivery could mean that they enjoy a larger share of linear um, and that's indeed what discover warner brothers discovery is doing with some success but the problem is that the pie is rapidly decreasing so by focusing on your broadcast platforms it's not going to slow the decline of broadcast 
but you could end up losing share in the streaming world because you're focusing more of your attention, more of your best content on those platforms. So, you know, it's just this is a, this is a balancing act that content providers and programmers need to do to best optimize the revenue. But they need to really keep, I think, a very sharp eye on the near term gains and balance those against possible long term value. I think that those were two good points that, that Nextstar did bring up. But I really do think that you have to balance those now between the DDC channel and the and the traditional broadcast and pay TV world. So that was I thought those were the major points there. Um, there were some others, but I uh, highly recommend people go download it. It's a very interesting presentation and uh, uh, gives a very interesting perspective, I think, on where television is going. Yeah, I agree. I think it is worth um <laughs> listeners taking a look at it. Certainly, um, Nexstar is by far the biggest local broadcaster in the country. So um, their views on where local broadcast fits in are, are pretty important to understand. Yep, they are indeed. But uh, let's let's talk about YouTube. Yeah. So, you know, we do talk about YouTube regularly on the podcast and there was some new research this week from uh, the investment bank of uh, Piper Sandler um, focused really on young people um, surveying uh, those that are just under the age of 16. And what they found for the first time was that the time spent with YouTube uh, just edged out Netflix. That was, again, for the first time, 29.1% of daily video consumption on YouTube, just slightly ahead of Netflix at 28.7. This is the 20th time, uh, or um, they've run this um, survey twice a year since 2001, so on American teenagers. So this survey has been around for a while. It's probably has some good validity. Um, And I think really, shows once again how powerful YouTube is um, for, you know, particularly for younger people. It's obviously popular across older uh, groups as well. But uh, YouTube and Netflix are really just, you know, in their own league because both of them, again, right around 29% of daily video consumption. Third place was Hulu all the way down at 7%, and um, and then others like Prime and Disney Plus follow. So thought that was relevant. Just one last piece uh, uh, kind of related. The survey found that of the teens, 38% of them said TikTok was their favorite social media platform, and um, that probably comes as no surprise. Four and a half hours per day on social media just slightly up from previous surveys. So uh, anyway, there you have it, YouTube um, just edging out Netflix for the first time there among uh, teens under age 16. That's kind of horrifying, Will. Four and a half hours? (laughs) Yeah, four and a half hours on social media, just slightly up. That's what they say. That's a ridiculous amount of time. Well, when I saw this research, where it sort of made me, it reminded me that Hub Entertainment Research put out some data earlier this year, I think back in February, that really looked at teens' use of screens, and and it did actually look more specifically at YouTube. And 
I, I so I went and grabbed that research, and uh, it, it's pretty interesting that the profile for screen time usage among 13 to 24 year olds is pretty darn different to 35 plus will so 35 plus we spend like 43 percent of our time screen time is on television for teens for 13s to 24 year olds it's only 17 percent much much less uh, and gaming is much much more 22 percent so that's more than TV will. 22% of time is, is screen time is spent with gaming uh, versus just 10% for the older group. And online video is also very important. 21%. Again, uh, that is way more than for 35 plus. But social video is very important. 15% too. So the profile of screen usage for 13 to 24 year olds is just way more spread out than it is for older groups. For older groups, it's really all focused around the television. That's the primary consumption mechanism. That's where people watch the most. But for this younger group, it's, as I say, it's really spread out across, um, across a whole bunch of different screens and a whole bunch of different sources of video. So that, that's one thing that Hub found. The other thing, you know, you mentioned TikTok. And I tell you what, I bet, <laughs> I bet if uh, YouTube, uh, the folks at YouTube are watching TikTok pretty damn closely because in the Hub survey, they asked the 13 to 24s, well, they asked everybody in, in the survey, not just 13 to 24-year-olds, which platform do you spend more time watching? And they, you know, this is pitching TikTok versus YouTube. And amongst 13 to 24-year-olds, 54% said they were spending a little more or a lot more time on TikTok versus 27% saying they were spending a little or a lot more time on YouTube. So that's a huge difference, right? Now, in the 35 to 35 older group, it's flipped. 52% said they're spending more time with YouTube versus 31%, 32% rather, saying they're spending more time with TikTok. So, you know, amongst that younger group, yes, it sounds like YouTube, according to the research from Piper Sandler, they're spending more time with YouTube than Netflix. But it sounds like um, TikTok is really beginning to eat into YouTube's share of social video time too. So this is um, this is a dog eat dog world out there. Well, you've really got to, you've really got to be on it with uh, with your service, or uh, somebody else is going to grab your viewers. Yeah, highly competitive market, no question about it. Um, we have just a little bit of time left here, Colin. I didn't know if you wanted to. Um, spend time on the stuff from the UK that you observed this week? Well, yeah. And I, one of the interesting things we're talking about YouTube. Um, YouTube this week launched its primetime channels in the UK market. And I, I don't know if our, our listeners remember, primetime channels was launched uh, early this year. I think it was early this year. Or was it might have been later last year. 
that it's th this is basically YouTube's aggregation of SVOD services. So you can, just like you can with Amazon channels and with the Roku channel, you can subscribe to some SVOD services within the uh, within the YouTube environment. And that means basically you can pay for it via whatever you're using to pay for other stuff through YouTube, probably your Google wallet or whatever, whatever you're using there. And you can now, once you do that, you can search for content there. You can and watch the content in the YouTube client as well. So it's sort of a really nice integrated aggregated experience the, that you can really enjoy. So they've just launched this experience in the UK. And uh, so there's another reason why you would want to be inside of YouTube. And this, this sort of emphasized a couple of things to me. The, the first thing is that YouTube continues to improve and increase its ability to deliver television services. So of course here, uh, YouTube, we have YouTube TV. We also have NFL Sunday Ticket, which can be purchased either with YouTube TV or with you just straight YouTube. Um, it's also licensing content, licensing library content. So you can watch that in the YouTube context as well. And now you've got primetime channels. So it really gradually, gradually, uh, YouTube is getting its arms around a bigger and bigger chunk of what we watch on television. So that was the first thing. The second thing is primetime channels in, in specific. We don't know how well it's doing in the US and we don't, we certainly know it's too early days to say in the UK. But one of the things that I think it's missing is it doesn't have the major services. So you can't get Netflix in there, you can't get Disney Plus and you know you can't get Amazon Prime Video or Hulu. Um, or for that matter, ESPN Plus. So it's missing some key parts there, which I think blunts its appeal to many people because if you're looking for an integrated experience, you still have to come out of YouTube to enjoy that experience. But, uh, you know, I wonder if people are subscribing to some of the other SVOD services within that environment. And, you know, this, that's one of the reasons why they're spending more time inside of YouTube. Yeah, we haven't heard, correct me if I'm wrong, but we haven't heard anything from YouTube as to how primetime channels has performed for them. No, they have said boo. So we don't know. I can yep. tell you, Will, that I've also not heard any of the partner services talking about how that channel is doing for them. So I'm hoping we've got the Q, Q3 financial results coming up. Maybe, maybe I can nudge some of the analysts that, uh, that ask, get to ask questions in those and see if they can ask, start asking the questions of people that are participating in primetime channels. So, so I think maybe CBS is with Paramount Plus. So maybe we can inject a question there and find out, but they're not, they're not talking about it either. So be interesting yeah. to see how that is doing. But I guess the, the, the meta point, the big point here is that little by little, YouTube is absorbing all the bits that we call television. So <laughs> I think, I think I've said yeah. this before, if you're a TV provider, you need to keep an eye on this. This is yeah. a, a very important development in the market. 
trying to absorb, not necessarily absorbing, but certainly trying. They're they're trying their best. They're trying to Uh, wrap their arms around it so that they can be the single point for more and more people. And that's a a very important development that people need to keep an eye on. Yeah, I think that's right, Con. And I think we are out of time for this week. So the YouTube story continues to evolve and we will stay on top of it. And I think that's all we have for this week, right? That's it. Okay, Colin, good chatting. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you all again next week. Inside the Stream is a production of in-screen media and video news, all rights reserved.